I said we're gonna have a good day. Welcome to Rise with Emily and Audra. I'm Dr. Emily McRae. And I am Dr. Audra Rankin. We are educators, healthcare providers, and mothers who view the world as an unlimited learning opportunity. Rise is a podcast that highlights how we learn from the experiences and stories of others to create new perspectives that improve our own work. Listen with us, think with us, learn with us. And along the way, be inspired to rise up above your day-to-day. All right, this really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. This really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. Okay, shouldn't come as a surprise. Because every morning we will rise. Today we have the best-selling author, Christy Woodson-Harvey, with us today on RISE. And Christy, welcome. I am so excited that you're here, and I know Emily is as well. And so we know each other from being undergrads together at Chapel Hill, but can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and you know, maybe where you grew up and how you kind of found your path to writing? Sure, absolutely. Well, thank y'all so much for having me today. This is so exciting. I'm so thrilled to be here and I love this concept and I'm so excited for you guys for this exciting venture. But yeah, so I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. I grew up in Salisbury, North Carolina. I'm sort of a North Carolina girl, born and bred, and you know, went to UNC Chapel Hill for undergrad and I was a journalism major. I actually got an internship at my local newspaper when I was in high school. And I just fell in love with writing and thought, this is what I want to do. This is going to be so great. And loved journalism school, loved Chapel Hill. But I graduated and moved to this little Eastern North Carolina town and was getting married in the next couple of years. And I knew I needed to kind of figure out what I could do in this little town. And my big lofty journalistic dreams were probably not going to happen (laughs) at a like little local newspaper. And so I went and got a master's in literature and thought, you know, I'll teach or, you know, something, I don't know, I'll find something to do. And then super randomly ended up getting offered this really good job in finance. And I thought, well, why not? Like I'm young, I can, I have time, you know, I can, I'll learn a lot. And it was basically a sales job and I got to travel and it seemed kind of exciting. And so I went and worked in finance for a little while and I just started getting all these ideas and I knew there were story ideas and um, that's when I started writing. And I, I never thought I would write a book. That was never something that was on my list. I always wanted to tell real stories about real people doing real things. And then somehow that just it just ended up finding me. It was the perfect thing. So I always think, what would have happened if I had never sat down and tried that first time? You know, I never would have known how great this was. So that's great. Christy, there are so many interesting things about you. And when Audra and I were talking, we think that one of the most fascinating things is that you seem to have this split career. (laughs) (laughs) You are successfully running the design blog as well as being a best-selling author, which I don't know about you, Audra, but we, or I personally find equal inspiration from your books as well as the pictures of the beautiful homes that you post. Can you tell us a little bit about how you balance your day jobs? (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. And you know, it's sort of probably like this podcast for you guys. I think sometimes you get this idea and you're really inspired to do something and you just start and you don't know what's going to work. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know 10 years from now, you're still going to be doing it. And so in 20, 
10, I believe it was, my mom and I decided to start a blog. And it was this total random idea. We were both redoing houses. We wanted to share pictures with each other. She wanted to learn a new skill. And I was still working in finance, but I was breaking back into freelance writing a lot. I'd kind of gone part-time because I knew I was working on this book. And I thought I need to, I had a lot of writing credits, but I didn't have a lot of really recent ones. So I was writing a lot. We were both working on these houses and we thought, oh, this will be fun. We'll do this for six months. You know, we'll share these pictures And then at the end of six months, we realized that we sort of had this community of like other bloggers and people that sort of showed up for us. And it was a real surprise because we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we didn't know how to be bloggers. We didn't know SEO or like how to do outreach (laughs) or I mean, nothing. Like we were literally just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that it stuck. And I mean, by no stretch of the imagination after six months, was it some huge thing, but we could see after the end, especially after the first year, we were like, you know, this could really be a business. Like this is something that we could really do. I can tell you 100% for sure that if you had said to us 10 years ago, Hey, in 2021, you're still going to be doing this thing. There are going to be 650,000 people following it. Like it's going to be this business. We would have been like, (laughs) that's never going to happen, you know? But I think for us, it was like that slow growth. It was just every year, every year, every year, like more things happened and we'd meet new people and we've learned so much along the way. And, but it's still, honestly, at the core, it's, it's just kind of fun for us. And we say all the time, and I will say this, there is no way that I would still be doing design chic if it were not for my mom. I couldn't do it. I mean, there is absolutely no way she is the perfect partner in something like that. Because, you know, if I'm on a six week book tour, she knows I'm working 18 hour days. Like there's no way that I can come home and do blog posts. So we get really organized before I leave. She picks up my slack. I mean, there's no way. So I am certainly not, you know, doing all of this by myself at all. And it is truly, I mean, it is a full-time job for her and then kind of part-time for me. So it's been great, but she is like the best partner in the world and I could not do it without her. So I credit mom for design chic and for keeping that all going. As far as the writing, I mean, I just love it. It's my passion. And it's obviously a lot different than I thought it was going to be. You know, I had this image of I'm going to write these books and then they're going to spontaneously go out into the world and become bestsellers. But that's not what happens. Like (laughs) they become bestsellers because I think in 2019, I did 89 speaking engagements all over the country. And just the day to day of, you know, recording podcasts with people like you guys and, and doing guest posts and writing columns. And there's just a million things that go into the promotion of a book that involve the author. And I think the great gift in that though, is that I learned how much I love that. And I was terrified of public speaking. Now it's one of my favorite things. I wasn't really sure about like being with all these crowds of people day after day, but I found it really gratifying. So I think nothing ever looks quite exactly like you think it's going to, but I think sometimes that's where we sort of learn who we are and, and get to be surprised about ourselves. I love that. And I love how passionate you are about those things. I I think that's great. And one of the things that I particularly love about your books is just the references to the South. And I think growing up in the South, I find myself drawn to just memories of like growing up in a small town and being on the coast and I'm not the only one because you have, you know, people that 
come to the North Carolina coast to do these tours about the yeah. blog series. <laughs> it's clearly something that people really love. So I'm curious about how you just come up with your ideas for books and how you integrate inspiration from so many different sources into, into the book. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. That was actually that Peachtree Bluff Town Takeover that you're referring to. Yeah. Just, for, just to give people a little background on that. I have a series called the Peachtree Bluff series. And actually the fourth book in the series is Christmas and Peachtree Bluff. And it's coming out October 26th. But for the third book in the series, it was going to be the grand finale. And my husband and my publicist were walking in Beaufort one day. And Beaufort, where we live, is what I based Peachtree Bluff on. And they were walking around and they were like, oh my gosh, we should do this town takeover. This would be so fun. They came home and they were like, we have this great idea. You should do this. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not going to do that. There's no way. I mean, they have this grand idea. Like we're going to take over all the businesses and restaurants in town and have banners for all of them about what they are in Peachtree Bluff. And people will come in and do the double-decker bus tours. And there'll be all these parties and there'll be like a boat tour of the island. And, and I was like, no, there's no way. Like I'm going to be on tour for six weeks. I cannot come home and take over Peachtree Bluff. And so they called the president of the Beaufort Historical Association and said, Christy, no, not my husband, but my manager did. So Christy doesn't think this is a good idea. We think this is a great idea. She was like, this is a brilliant idea and we are <laughs> going to make this happen. So obviously it was a lot of work on the front end and it was a lot of work for me like that weekend that we did it, but they did so much. I mean, they really like made this kind of happen and come to life. There were, I can't even tell you how many volunteers worked on putting these like town takeovers together. So it was so fun. But then I kept getting emails from people of like, well, when's the next town takeover? Like people thought it was going to be an <laughs> annual event. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So we are going to do one for Christmas in Peachtree Bluff, which will be really oh, fun. Um, so I'm excited about that. But <laughs> but just in terms of like incorporating, I mean, I think that's where write what you know comes in for me because I write stories about people that could be people that I know, but they aren't necessarily... I'm not necessarily telling a story that is true. You know, I'm telling a story that could be true, but it's not usually something that actually happened or something that I actually know of. So I think for me, the settings and writing about these places that are familiar to me is where a lot of that right where you know, right what you know comes in for me. And living on the Carolina coast has been such an inspiration for my stories and has just provided a really great backdrop to be able to tell these stories. That's amazing. <laughs> And looking forward to hearing more about the town, ta the next town, town takeover. <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> Christy, we often talk about the value and effectiveness of storytelling in a variety of fields. Mm -hmm. How did you develop your skills as a storyteller? And do you have any tips for our listeners? Okay, so I love that. And I think you're so right. I think storytelling is one of the most important things in anything that you do in life. My mom gets a lot of the credit for like always reading to me constantly as a child. I mean, all the time, but I have to say my dad is an incredible storyteller. Like he's one of those people that just has done a lot of things. He's had all these crazy experiences. And so growing up, you know, he was such a storyteller. He was always talking about things that happened in his childhood or, you know, when he was a teenager or, you know, things that, that just, I was always like getting in the car and saying, you know, tell me a story, tell me a story. And so, and he was a chemist, you know, he was not a writer by any stretch. So he's like barely, he doesn't even love to read. I mean, it's fine, but you know, it takes him like two months to get through his daughter's book. You know? <laughs> so, But he was a great storyteller. And I, I think that's so true that 
so many things in life. I think we can connect with each other in such a deeper, more meaningful way when we you know, have stories. And I, I look at a lot of the things that we do with our children. My husband's a dentist and I will listen to, you know, the way that he and like his colleagues, when they have patients that are children, they kind of tell them this story to get through their dental exam and things like that, that it's just so cute, you know, to see. But I do think we relate to story in a way that we don't relate to, you know, just talking back and forth or things like that. And I do think we get to know each other on a really deep level when we share our stories with each other. And it's just kind of at the basis of everything that we do. But as far as tips, I think not trying to sound like anyone else is probably the most important thing. And I think when you're a storyteller, your voice is what makes you a storyteller. No matter how you're telling that story, you don't have to sound like anyone else in the world. And in fact, if you do people probably aren't that interested in hearing your story. And so in that way, I think that's been such a cool thing for me to discover and realize is that, you know, everyone really does have an important story to tell. And I think that was a moment for me. You know, when I decided to become a journalist, I was interviewing people from all different walks of life who had had all different careers and all different beliefs, but they all had a story to tell. And their story and their voice was what made them unique. And so, you know, as a writer... It's just so exciting to get to kind of uncover those stories. But I think when we share those stories with each other, we really start to understand each other in a very different way. And that's very exciting. That is a a great way to describe it. I don't think I've ever really thought about storytelling in the context of just connecting with one another, you know, on such a great level. So I, I love that answer. When I was listening to you talk, one of the things that I thought about was just your followers, like that you have these people who really love you and have connected with your stories of, you know, I think that are just personal stories. Like you're so open on social media and I think that makes for a great connection, but I'm curious about how you develop and sustain these relationships with, you know, your, your readers so that they stay engaged and interested in what you're doing. Um, It gets harder because, you know, that the more, you grow and the more followers you have, there's still just that one you. (laughs) And so it definitely, you know, it's something that at the beginning, like, oh my gosh, I made sure I was responding to every comment, to every message, to every, everything. And there gets to be a point where, you know, sometimes just responding to Instagram DMs can take four or five hours a day. And you're like, well, I still have to write books and I still have to raise a family and I still have to do a blog. And show called Friends in Fiction I do with four other authors and we work on it every day. And so I try so hard to like get to every single person, you know, in a timely fashion, but that is something that I really, really struggle with. And I definitely, I mean, I, I have help for sure trying to manage all of that and keep up with everything on a day-to-day basis. But there are still a lot of things that I just can't let go of and that I just feel like they're really important that they're me. And so I just hope that people kind of understand that, you know, sometimes like you're trying really hard, but you just couldn't do it all today, you know? But I do think that again, like it comes back to, you know, just being yourself and, and your voice. And thank you for saying that. But I do think sometimes I can be a little bit guarded on social media too. And especially at the beginning, I mean, there were years, I bet you for five years, mom and I didn't even have an about us page on our blog. (laughs) People didn't even know it was us or that we were doing it. It was just like the work. And so I do think I've been like a little bit more guarded, but I think actually 
the books just made it so that was no longer the case because, you know, now getting to go out. And I do think the in-person meetings kind of bridge that gap because I get to see these people in real life. And that was really hard about COVID. And I think that was a year where I was really doubling, tripling down on the social media and on making sure that I was like having that connection with every single person because I knew I'm not going to be out there meeting them at their library or their bookstore or that luncheon or whatever it is. And so I think that, you know, there's kind of that in-person, there's still something really important about that. And I think that maybe that helps a lot. Like when I do get to meet people in person and, and they do sort of feel like maybe they know you a little bit more and I feel like I know them a little bit more. And I don't think I answered your question. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, I think for me, it's, it's a mix, but I, but just, but in just being completely honest and truthful, it does get harder and harder to kind of maintain But, you know, it also, you know, the people that are there all the time. Does that make sense? Like that come every day, that comment on everything, that, you know, those people, you know, their names and you know who they are. And, and, you know, we try to take care of everybody, you know, as best we can for sure. Well, with this strong social media presence, you also, you know, there's, I love hearing about the connections with other, with the followers, but you also partner with other businesses and groups to promote your books and cross promote their products. We were curious about how you, how you decide which partnerships will be the best for your brand. So I, that's a really good question. And I, I credit the success of Design Chic to our incredible pickiness. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, especially at the beginning, you know, you're working so hard, you're making no money and people start throwing things at you and you think, oh, that's not really on brand for us, but sure would be nice to get that paycheck. And we tried really hard. I'm not going to say that we made 100% of the right decisions. I'm not going to say we still make 100% of the right decisions, but we really tried to streamline who we work with, you know, and make sure that it is like a really great fit for our reader, for our blog. And there's certain things we do, like, I bet we get 15 people a day that say, can we write a post for your site and we'll pay you and blah, blah, blah. And we say no 100% of the time because like it's our blog. So we don't want a bunch of, I mean, that sounds terrible. If it was like a designer that we knew and they wanted to, whatever, if it was something like that, fine. But there's a lot of, you know, paid content out there that it's like, okay, well we could take that paycheck and they could write the blog for the day or whatever. We really try not to do that. And we kind of like everything to be, you know, cohesive and sound the same and look the same. And we want people to kind of know what they're going to get and what they can expect. And there's certainly, I think at this point, we've been really fortunate in that we just have a small number of companies that we've partnered with for years. And sometimes we'll take on a new partnership or opportunity, but we realize that in terms of, not just in terms of ease for us, but also in terms of the effectiveness for an advertiser or a partner or a sponsor or whatever you want to call it, that continuity is so important because people might not buy the first time, they might not buy the second time, they might not buy the third time, but by the fifth time when like they know you use that product in your house, they know that you really love it. They know that it has lasted for you for five years because they saw you post about it five years ago. That's powerful. you know. And I, I think we've learned that, that if we can sort of narrow our playing field. And also people don't want to be sold something every second. So we don't want to have every single solitary day of a paid post, another paid post, another paid post. So this allows us to be a little more selective about, you know, what we're doing and who we're choosing and and not have so much of that kind of content. But it's, I mean, it's always hard and there are always opportunities. Sometimes there are opportunities that we think, 
gosh, that really took off and we didn't think it was going to, and we wish that we had done that. And sometimes there are things that we think, oh, maybe that was a misstep. Like we probably shouldn't do that again, but you know, it's just all give and take. And I think it comes down to, we know our reader really, really well. And so we're always thinking about, is this something that our reader would like? And that's, that's kind of it. You mentioned earlier that you are part of a group, uh, the friends and, and fiction group. Yeah. And so I'm curious to learn a little bit more about that because it sounds like maybe there's shared readership among that group. So you, you all kind of know your readers collectively and individually. Um, so tell us about how that started and how you work together to strengthen your voice, again, both individually and collectively as a group. So friends and fiction has been one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. It has probably also maybe second to design chic been one of the biggest surprises of my entire life. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, not to sell ourselves short, but like this truly. So I guess it was late March, early April of 2020. And Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe, and I are all authors. We've all been friends. But honestly, like I was really good friends with Patty. I knew Mary Alice pretty well. I hardly knew Mary Kay. Kristen and I had met a couple of times. We had the same publisher. We were all like that. Like we had connections with each other. But I wouldn't say that we were, but we weren't all, it wasn't like we were five best friends and we got together to start the show. We all had books coming out and we got together on a Zoom and we were like, how do we support each other? What can we do to help each other launch our books? Because none of us were going on tour and we are all very tour centric. Like we go for six straight weeks. We go all over the country. Like this is how we promote our books. And we were panicking because we all had new books coming out. And we didn't know what to do. So we got together on a Zoom and Mary Kay said, hey, you know what would be fun? Let's go live on all of our Facebook pages and we'll ask our readers to come join in and they can ask questions and we'll talk a little bit about our new books and we'll just see what happens. And we were like, great, probably no one will come, but you know, <laughs> we'll try it out and we'll see what happens. So the first night we did it, we like could barely get on Zoom. And of course, this is the beginning of the pandemic. So everything's really slow because like everyone's trying to be live on Facebook at the same time and everyone. So we had all these tech issues to begin with. But I think the first night we had like a thousand people show up live and we were like, okay, that was really cool. And then by the end of the week, we had like 15,000 views on that video. And we were like, okay, like maybe we've stumbled upon something. And, and more than that, we had so many comments and messages from readers saying, thank you so much for doing this. We're so bored. This was so fun. We felt really connected. And so we made this plan that we were going to do it for seven weeks because after seven weeks, all of our books would be out. And for sure the pandemic would be over. I mean, that would just be, <laughs> you know, long gone. And this is just one of those like sort of fateful stories, like one of these random things that happens in life that you're like, how did that happen? And so we didn't tell our publishers or anything because we just didn't think it was really that big of a deal. And so Kristen, Mary Alice, and I all write for Gallery Books, which is a part of Simon & Schuster. And our president of our publishing house was visiting her father. And he said, oh, I've got to go watch my show. And she was like, <laughs> okay. She said she was like in the kitchen doing something and she kept hearing these voices. And she was like, God, this sounds really, these people sound familiar. And so she walks in and she's like, these are not authors. Like, what is this? What is going on? Funny. And so she emailed us that night and she said, this is genius. Like, you guys need to keep doing this. What can I do? How can I help? And we said, we have to have some tech help. Like we are a disaster. Every week is a disaster. And there's always some like major epic fail. Like we had Kristen Hanna on as our first guest and like the sound wouldn't work. And we were like doing the show through phones and 
it was terrible. And she was like, great, done. <laughs> I will help you. Like, well, you know, we'll do this. And I think at the end of those seven weeks, you know, we had started our own Facebook group at that point. And I think we had only had it like a couple of weeks and there were like 10 or 15,000 people in there. I mean, it was something insane. And we were like, okay, we can't let this go. Like we have to keep this going. So we got serious and we hired a coach and we got more professional and we got an audio guy and we hired a managing director because we couldn't keep up with everything. And we still do a lot though. We all have jobs. So like I handle our merchandise and our finances who gave me that job? Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, and like someone handles our Instagram and someone handles our Facebook page and someone handles, you know, our, we have a book club that's spraying out of the friends and fiction group. And she kind of helps facilitate that, but it's very similar, you know, to what I was saying about design chic. It's amazing because this community has sprung up around this. And I think for me, I was the first one to get to go on tour. I got to go on like a little baby tour around the South for Under the Southern Sky in April and May. And it was sort of life-changing to be at events and to hear from people. I mean, people would literally be crying and would come to me and say like, this saved my life. Like you guys have no idea. Like you, this changed my life. I couldn't have made it through the pandemic without you guys. I've made all these friends. There would be events that I would go to that people who over the last year had gotten to be like, besties, but they'd never met. And they would like meet for the first time at one of my events. And it was like, it just blew my mind. And so I think we started with this mission of like promoting our books and and supporting independent bookstores. We have an independent bookseller we support every week and helping our friends promote their books, you know, because we interview other authors every week, but it really became about all of these incredible readers who haven't just found us, but they found each other. And it's just been mind blowing to watch this thing happen over the past year or so. And so Patty and Mary Kay and I all have winter books coming out in September and October. And so like, we're going on tour together for like 10 days. And we had our first like live friends and fiction events in Beaufort a couple of months ago, and they were just crazy amazing. I mean, it was just so neat. So I do think, I think the synergy of it was that we all had the mindset that a rising tide lifts all boats. And I think a lot of people, it's not even to their discredit. I think that's a hard thing to wrap your mind around that. Like if I go from promoting my book to promoting all these people's books, isn't that going to hurt me? But I think we all had been doing it long enough that we didn't feel that way. And I think that's what made it work is that we had this, we have also, we had this really unexpected on on screen chemistry because we didn't know each other that, that well. And so for, it just, it just all kind of fell into place, but it's amazing. So if anyone wants to watch it, we go live on Facebook Wednesday nights at seven. We're also live on YouTube. Our website is friendsandfiction.com. And um, yeah, it's, it's great. And we write a column for Parade Magazine every week if anybody wants to read it. So it's pretty fun. I think that's amazing and how a grassroots effort just brought so many people together. I mean, again, I love the sense of team that all of you are working together, um, but then also pulling your your listeners and new followers yeah. in. Because- well, yeah. And to be fair, I mean, to be fair, we were five people that all already had a platform. So if you already have a platform, creating another platform is not it's not as hard. You're not starting from scratch. You're not. And we all knew that, but it was still very unexpected because we had no idea. Were people going to want to come on and sit and watch us talk on Facebook? Probably not. Like, we don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And after the pandemic. (laughs) 
Well, Christy, uh, to change gears a little bit, and I'm laughing about this question uh, because I'm always the one that's interested. <laughs> um, but anyways, you're a working mom. You juggle a crazy schedule. You've alluded to that a little bit in, in the, eight, what did you say, 89 <laughs> interviews that you did? In- <laughs> yes, in 2019. <laughs> and although Audrey and I know the importance of self-care, we often joke and say that we're not actually doing that <laughs> that good of a job of it ourselves. How do you prioritize self care, and what does that look like for you? What is that? <laughs> um, no, I, I do have to tell you, I was I was laughing this morning because my parents had been here for the weekend. They left this morning, and my son and I were like out fishing on the dock and. I was like, okay, I'm going to come in. I'm going to do my Peloton and like, maybe I'll like take a bath and like, I don't have a ton to do till one. Like, this would be great. So I'm like coming back in, my agent calls me and she's like, where are you? Like, we're supposed to be in a meeting at 11 and y'all, I'm not kidding you. I've never missed a meeting. Like I've never been late for a meeting. I just do not do that. I live in fear of it. And I was like, oh my gosh. So then I'm scrambling. I'm like 10 minutes late for this meeting. And I like really have to be good and on and you know, whatever. And so I'm like doing this meeting and then I'm like looking down and I'm like, okay, if I do a 30 minute Peloton ride, then I will have nine minutes to shower and I can still get into sailing camp on time. You know? And I'm like, that's just real life. It's real life, but I got the workout in. And I think that is what, I think that's like the lesson. I am kind of a perfectionist. And so actually that's not true. I'm not a perfectionist. I'm just sort of extreme. So like if I am going to do the Peloton 30 day challenge, like I am going to do it, you know? And so I'm sort of have an extreme personality where I like have to be all the way bought in or like none at all. And I've really tried to temper that in myself over the last few years because I'm like, okay, well I have 20 minutes. I'm an extra 20 minutes. I can go work out for 20 minutes and get a workout in and shower and my hair might not look great, but like I can go do that thing at whatever time I need to do it, you know? And I think that's what I tried to like tell myself a little bit more, but my definite downtime, I'm a big bath person. I love baths and I love reading. And so that is really fortunate because especially for friends of fiction, we have a new guest almost every week. We have a podcast on Fridays. And so I'm always reading at least a couple things at a time and then reading for blurbs and for things like that. So I'm really fortunate that what feels like my downtime is also really helpful for my job. So I really do think reading is reading and my baths are probably my main self-care, but I really do try to work out because I think it, I think it's kind of like my ultimate self-care really and truly when you get down to it, because I just feel better and I have more energy and you know, all those things that they like want you to believe they really are true. (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for being with us today we like to end our podcast with the same three questions for every guest and this is just rapid fire so first thing that comes to mind okay need to describe it in a ton of detail so our first question because this is a podcast that really focuses on leadership principles is do you have a favorite leadership quote or book maybe that has leadership principles in it that's your go-to? That's a really good question. This is going to sound really funny, but this is going to be a long answer. So I shouldn't say this, but my husband is like really, really good at all this stuff and he's like always into it. And so I'm always trying to read like whatever he's reading and whatever he's doing. But he gave me this book recently called Who Not How. And I need to be better about implementing it, but I'm like, yes, this is game changing. Like you can do everything 
if you will let some things go and let some people help you with them. And so right now um, he's like, you know, the best way you could be a leader is to let other people do stuff. Like that's how you lead is you, you know, you teach them and you let them do stuff for you. So right now, who not how is like my recommendation. I love that. Me too. That's when awesome. I could use. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's really, really hard. You know, it's hard. hard. Yeah. Okay. Question number two, what is one thing on your wish list related to healthcare? I have really been getting a lot better about meditating. And so I think my wish list is to like really be in that like every single day practice because I do feel calmer and more centered. Again, this stuff that is spouted around, it, it works when you do it. <laughs> okay, very last question. Uh, we believe in the value of lifelong learning. And if you could learn anything new, what would it be? Okay, well, brand new, I would like to learn to play the piano. I never learned when I was little. And kind of not new, but I would really like to relearn Spanish. I think it would come back to me really quickly because I have done it since I was really tiny, but, and I can still, you know, do a little bit here and there, but I hate to like lose it. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things. If you don't use it, you yeah. lose it. Yeah, and I really have no opportunity to use it. So it's so funny. So many of our guests have said foreign languages foreign language. yeah, mm-hmm. or travel. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think especially when you go to other countries and you realize like how many languages everyone else knows except yeah. for Americans. And you're like, well, this is pathetic. Like I should at least know two languages. <laughs> This this girl knows five, like fluently. (laughs) Surely I can do two. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us and for giving us your perspective on so many things, being an author and storytelling and the power of a team. And we just absolutely loved it. So thanks for having me. Y'all are the best. I really appreciate it. Emily, I had so much fun interviewing Christy Woodson Harvey. Between her work on her interior design blog, Design Chic, her best selling novels, and her recent collaboration with Friends in Fiction, we certainly learned a lot about the power of using stories to connect with others and the value of trying new things. I thought the story of how Christy's career got started was so interesting. She had an educational background in journalism, but initially worked in finance. It was during that time that she started to get ideas, and she started to write. And even though she never intended to write books, being a book author just seemed to find her. That also seemed to be the case with the blog Design Chic that she created with her mom. It started as inspiration from house renovations and the desire to learn a new skill, blogging. Over time, it turned into something much bigger. Christy said that every year, more things happened with the blog, she met more people, and learned so much along the way. Today, she describes it as a surprising success. What started as seemingly a small business in Christy's life have turned into huge, successful projects. I love that Christy integrates inspiration from so many sources, from the coastal town of Beaufort, North Carolina, From the people she meets, she writes what she knows, and her authenticity has worked to her advantage. I'm so proud of you for saying Beaufort and not Buford. It's a common (laughs) mistake for people who aren't North Carolina. Good job. (laughs) I think it's important important to note that her success hasn't happened without effort. I appreciated that Chrissy talked about the hard work that goes into creating bestsellers. I don't know much about publishing, and I don't 
think a lot about the work that goes into the story itself. The cover art, the thickness of the pages, really any of it. Reading fictional novels is a luxury for me, and it was helpful to learn about the book tours and interviews and marketing that is involved to make it a success. Even the Peachtree Bluff tour, that took a team of people to make successful. I am so guilty of popping into our local bookstore and picking out things that just look interesting. I rarely take the time to think about the fact that bestsellers don't just happen overnight. I am guilty of the same thing. I learned the same thing when Christy discussed Design Chic. The care in which Christy and her mom think about partnerships, about what their readers want, and the products they endorse is so much more involved than what we see on a web page. The success of the blog is dependent, really, on the behind-the-scenes work. I think that gaining insight into the effort that goes into literature and fine arts products, the richness of perspectives that are incorporated into Christie's work, and just how she engages with her literature and design communities on a national scale can be really valuable for healthcare providers. Christy taught us that communication can occur in a variety of ways, whether it be verbally or through written works or even through body language. Communication can illustrate intentionality and highlight authenticity. You know, when I think about this in the context of healthcare, I think about how we are really moving to a culture of communication through technology. And while there are advantages to that in quality and maybe efficiency of care, Christy reminded us of the value of storytelling, of honoring your authentic voice, and the incredible connections that can occur as a result of communication that runs deeper than an email or text. I also loved how Christy highlighted the power of storytelling. I really appreciated how Christy believes that we can connect with each other in a deeper way through stories. The individual uniqueness that shines through our stories is something that I think we should celebrate and also something we can learn from. As you mentioned, Audra, the power of authenticity, of honoring your own voice while also valuing the voice of others was one of the most striking moments of the interview for me. When we believe that everyone has a story to tell, we can take the time to uncover those stories and share those stories and ultimately understand each other in a different and probably much more unique way. That has major implications for healthcare. You know, as healthcare providers, we can use storytelling to foster caring relationships, to facilitate difficult conversations, to advocate on behalf of the communities we serve, and we can use it as a tool to clearly articulate the uniqueness of ourselves, of our team members, and community stakeholders. Audra, in addition to the power of storytelling, I loved learning more about Friends and Fiction. This group was developed to strengthen a handful of authors' voices, both individually and collectively. The idea came from a shared need of book promotion during the COVID lockdown, and it ended up being a huge success. What was really interesting to me was that a community sprung up around this idea. What started with a mission of promoting books and independent booksellers and interviewing other authors ended up bringing together a group of incredible readers who not only found the authors, but also found each other. 
Emily, I thought one of the greatest lines of the entire interview was that a rising tide lifts all boats. What an incredible mindset. And I think that's a line that I'm going to use again. In Friends and Fiction, five authors who had their own platform came together to create a community platform that resulted in 15,000 views of their first video and now has a strong following. So what does that mean for healthcare? Friends and Fiction can teach us a great deal about role modeling respect for each other and the power of professional partnerships. So often we focus on our own health system or company or our own academic institution. When we break down those silos and work together towards a common goal, and maybe it's not about books, but in healthcare that focuses on perhaps a culture change in primary care and disease prevention or an emphasis on academic practice partnerships for smooth transitions to practice for students, or even community stakeholder and health system collaborations with a common shared goal. No matter the goal, when we rally together, we may find that a rising tide truly raises all ships. I think finding opportunities to share your story and share the stories of others allow us to connect and understand on a much deeper level. Honoring authenticity and uniqueness of individual voices, as Christy does in her books, while also acknowledging the power of collective voices, as occurred with Friends in Fiction, is something we can all learn from and apply to healthcare. I couldn't agree more. You know, I also learned the beauty of surprise in our interview with Christy. In other words, I learned the beauty of what can happen when you have an idea and you see it through. It could be a complete failure, or it could turn into some of the greatest adventures of your life. Noticing your own vulnerability, yet understanding that leaning into that can provide meaning and value in your professional and personal life has tremendous applications in professional development, no matter what field you're in. Absolutely. Thanks for learning with us today. We hope that you take some time to find your own authentic voice while also honoring the voices of those you work with and of those you serve. We also hope you learn to embrace opportunity and the value of surprises. Knowing that your ideas could turn into something big like a best-selling book or a successful design blog. Or maybe an innovative way to deliver healthcare or advocate for underserved populations, or communicate with authenticity and strong connections. This isn't a podcast about healthcare. It's about how we learn from others to make healthcare better. Thanks for joining us today. Rise with Emily and Audra was produced with Resonate Recordings. The original song, Rise, was composed and performed by Alex Crumb. This really shouldn't come as a surprise Knock us down a thousand times In the mornings we will rise This really shouldn't come as a surprise Knock us down a thousand times In the mornings we will rise Okay Shouldn't come as a surprise Cause every morning we will rise